My dad married a blacksmith's daughter that he met in the checkout lane of Piggly Wiggly. Okay? Little did he know that he was marrying into a royal bloodline. Now, the only documented records of the Winneborg ancestry that I have are a German Bible and the following letter from my grandpa that was wrapped around a fork. The handmade fork belonged to my father when he entered the Hanover War in 1859 at the age of 18 years. Hanover was a small nation. The Prussians had whipped two nations and then went after Hanover to make the king of Prussians the German emperor of Germany. They knew they were going to be whipped, so they surrendered and gave the soldiers 24 hours to enlist. My father deserted, rode his horse as far as he could, and got work on a three-masted ship for America. He was 11 weeks and six days coming across. Got into New York in 1866, but he still had the fork in his kit. He landed in Springfield on June 27, 1866. The Winneborgs have a family fork. The Carters have a family tree. And they proudly wore these t-shirts uh, to the Carter reunion last Thanksgiving. They also had a 12-foot-long genealogical chart displayed, and it traces the Carter lineage back to royalty. Now, I do have to confess, we didn't know we were of royal descent until some 30 years ago when it was discovered that we were descendants of Captain Thomas Carter. He's actually the one who married into a royal bloodline by marrying Catherine Dale, the daughter of Edward Dale and Diana Skipwith. Edward Dale's father was Sir Thomas Dale, who became governor of Virginia in 1614 and who incidentally took Pocahontas into his home and baptized her. That's a fun bit of family history, but the big deal is that the Carters could now trace their lineage back to the Skipwiths and through various branches of the Skipwith line to Charlemagne, William the Conqueror, and numerous kings of England and France. So, yes, you can call me Sir Richard. <laughs> Obviously, this is of interest to the Carter clan. And if I was claiming the throne of England and you were my supporters, you would be very interested in my genealogy because it would support 
my right to reign. That is why the genealogy that introduces the gospel of Matthew, the study we are beginning this morning, is so important. Now, I realize it's easy to glaze over when reading the genealogies in Scripture. But the first chapter of Matthew, the first 17 verses, contains the genealogy of Jesus. And we've been adopted into his family. So if nothing else, let's at least read it with a sense of curiosity about our family tree. Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac Jacob, and to Jacob Judah and his brothers. And to Judah were born Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron Ram. And to Ram was born Aminadab, and to Aminadab Nashon, and to Nashon Salmon. And to Salmon was born Boaz. And to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth. And to Obed, Jesse. And to Jesse was born David, the king. And to David was born Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And to Solomon was born Rehoboam, and to Rehoboam Abijah, and to Abijah Asa, and to Asa was born Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat Jehoram, and Joram Uzziah, and to Uzziah was born Jotham, and to Jotham Ahaz, and to Ahaz Hezekiah, and to Hezekiah was born Manasseh, and to Manasseh Ammon, and to Ammon Josiah, and to Josiah were born Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, to Jeconiah was born Shealtiel, and to Shealtiel, Zerubbabel, and to Zerubbabel was born Abiad, and to Abiad, Eliakim, and to Eliakim, Azor, and to Azor was born Zadok, and to Zadok, Achim, and to Achim, Eliad, and to Eliad was born Eliezer, and to Eliezer, Mathan, and to Mathan, Jacob, and to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Therefore, all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the time of Christ, 14 generations. Now, to Matthew's early readers, this was very important and very interesting. And it was vital to Matthew's presentation of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the King of Kings. This is the royal gospel written to the Jews to show them that Jesus is the king they were expecting, the one foretold in Scripture. And to do that, Matthew had to prove the royal descent of Jesus. Because unless there's a usurper to the throne, royalty depends 
upon heredity. And Matthew's purpose is to establish the fact that Jesus has every right to the throne of David. He was, after all, the son of David. Now, David was undeniably the greatest king of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart, and and God blessed him richly as king, using him to make Israel into the most powerful nation on earth. One big disappointment, however, was that he was denied the privilege of building the temple. God reserved that privilege for David's son. Speaking to the prophet Nathan, God told David, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, it appeared that Solomon would be the son of David to fulfill those promises. He did build the temple, and the kingdom grew in power and wealth under his leadership. Solomon eventually proved to be unfaithful to God. He loved many foreign women, taking to himself seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. With them came foreign gods and pagan temples, which led God to declare that the kingdom would be divided, and eventually it and the temple were destroyed. The promise of an everlasting kingdom, however, remained. And the hope for another son of David burned brightly in the hearts of the Jewish people. Isaiah fanned that flame when he wrote, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Matthew is declaring that Jesus is indeed that son of David. Come to reign on the throne of David forevermore, to raise up a temple, a spiritual house that cannot be destroyed. But not only is Jesus the son of David, he's also the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father 
of the Jewish nation. And because of his faith, God made some extraordinary promises to him. In Genesis 22:17 and 18, we read these words. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of heaven, and that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But it seemed that God was a little slow in fulfilling that promise. Abraham was a hundred years old before he had the son of promise. And Isaac, his son, only had two sons. Jacob and Esau. Now, through them did come two nations, the nation of Israel, the name later given to Jacob, and the Edomites, or the group from Esau, or Edom, as he was also known. Now, both sons had received blessings from the hand of Jacob, and the nations that came from them were blessed for many centuries. But the Israelites... They could always be numbered, and the Edomites eventually died out. One of the promise to Abraham of descendants beyond number and the promised blessing to all nations. It didn't happen through Isaac or his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was, however, foreshadowed through Isaac, when God told Abraham to offer his only son as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah, which later became the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You remember as they were walking up the mountain, Isaac said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. And then as Abraham, in obedience to the command of God, was about to take the life of his son, an angel stopped him. And Abraham found a ram caught in the thicket that he went on to sacrifice. That lamb, however, was not the lamb of God. Jesus It was through Jesus, some 2,000 years later, that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And as Paul tells us in Galatians 3, it's through Jesus that we, even today, become sons of Abraham. The innumerable seed of Abraham. So Jesus was the promised son of David and the son of Abraham. And Matthew does more than just assert those facts. He demonstrates them through the genealogy. 
a genealogy that also makes it clear that Jesus was truly the son of his people. Now, Matthew's genealogy differs considerably from the one we find in Luke's gospel. Luke begins with Jesus and then goes all the way back to Adam and God himself. His purpose was different than Matthew's. Matthew was writing to Jews showing the royal lineage of Jesus. Luke was writing to Gentiles showing how Jesus was the Son of Man, the second Adam. Now, not including Luke's record from Abraham back to Adam, we do, however, find more names in Luke's genealogy. Fourteen more, in fact. Now, that really really shouldn't surprise us because not everyone has to be included in a genealogy to show the bloodline. And Matthew may have intentionally limited the number of names in his genealogy because he arranged them in three groups of 14. 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the deportation to Babylon, and 14 from the deportation to Christ. It's been suggested that he divided into three groups of 14 to aid in memorization. And it's been pointed out that the numerical value of the Hebrew letters for David is 14. Now, that may be of some significance. But it does appear from the Old Testament record that there were, in fact, 14 generations from Abraham to David. And Luke's gospel lists 14 there as well, not counting a textual variant that adds a 15th. The big difference between the two genealogies, however, is the way the lists diverge after David. Matthew follows a line from David through Solomon to Jesus, and Luke goes from David through another son, Nathan, to Jesus. The lists reconverge for just two little generations in Shealtiel and Zerubbabel at the close of the Babylonian captivity, and then they take off again in two different lines. Now, perhaps the best explanation of this is the widely held opinion that Matthew records Jesus' lineage through Joseph, who would have been officially the father of Jesus, and Luke through Mary the line through which he he actually came. But both of them can trace their lineage back to King David. Now, again, the purpose for beginning the New Testament with Jesus' genealogy is to connect him with what has gone before. And certainly the genealogy shows that Jesus is the son of his people. Now, we're not going to take time to discuss all of the ancestors mentioned. In fact, we know nothing of many of them. But there are a couple of observations I want to make about the list. And the first one is the unusual appearance of women's names in the genealogy. Now, this is most unusual. 
And, you know, while in my genealogy we did have to jump to the maternal line several times to get from Winterborg to royalty, Matthew didn't include women just to make a jump. He didn't use the women so he could follow their line. He merely inserted their names in relation to their husbands through whom he continued to trace the royal lineage. Why did he do that? Why did he include their names? I think he did so because they are of special note in and of themselves. The first woman he mentioned was Tamar, Judah's twice-widowed daughter-in-law. After the death of her first two husbands, both sons of Judah, and while waiting for him to give her his third son, she took on a disguise and sold herself